We don't just look at how much do we bring in, but the health of what is in the funnel, how is it progressing, mm. and what can we do to really get it to the close at the end. I think that's the, the level of detail. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict, and today I'm joined by Madeleine Nicolaus, who is VP of Marketing for EMEA at SAP Concur. Madeleine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, I've obviously just given you the very, very top level introduction, which is name and job title, which doesn't really do the job. So floor is yours, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself and you know the marketing career that you've got. Yeah, I am VP of EMEA Marketing at SAP Concur. I think anyone working for a larger corporate probably knows Concur when they do their travel and expense um, reporting. That's what we provide. Um, SaaS solution provider for travel and expense acquired by SAP eight and a bit years ago. Um, and I, so I'm effectively leading their EMEA demand generation team. Mm -hmm. And... I've been doing that now for almost six years. Prior to that, I was at Salesforce. I had different roles there from kind of leading um, the product marketing team to um, running EMEA campaigns to um, initially I, I started the marketing cloud. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I joined when Radiant 6 was just acquired and we basically built the category of the marketing cloud back in the day. And prior to that, I worked at Kodak, um, was their first social media manager for EMEA and Kind of that's uh, was the reason I moved to the UK because of that job because I was working for a PI agency in Germany and building up the social media mm -hmm. strategy. It was like 2007 um, during the hype of um, when social media was coming up, and yeah, and then they brought me in house. So that's how I got from the PR agency into, um, I guess um, you know, on on the client side yeah. into um, Kodak, and um, yeah. So it's kind of it was always a little bit of a red thread in my career. Yeah where one job led to another and from a more, I guess, consumer focused company, I concur, I did both B2B and B2C, mm -hmm. um, social media marketing, but um, yeah, going from there to a B2B, you know, yeah. Salesforce was because I was a heavy user of Radiant 6. I did a lot of mm -hmm. conferences where we talked about how we used it and that's how they got uh, aware of me and that's how I ended up in B2B and now I have the pleasure, um, yeah, talking about the absolute pleasure of being mm -hmm. on B2B Marketing the Progressive Truth. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, clearly you've got a deep, deep expertise in sort of tech, SaaS marketing, um, and nice to have sort of social media native in terms of how there's sort of your origin story there coming from, from PR. So today we're going to be talking about a quite a common tension um, within marketing at a very, very sort of top level. It's that tension between short-term activation and long-term brand building. But specifically, we're going to be looking at it within the context of the macroeconomic climate at the moment. Clearly, whilst we're not in recession, we've certainly been flirting with uh, recession at the moment here in, in the UK. And that brings a whole raft of sort of challenges and pressures for organisations. One of those is that real focus on your short-term pipeline. We've got to be making those sales. We've got to be getting that revenue in. Um, 
Now, the provocative truth that I want to give you, and we'll use this as sort of a jumping off point, is that too many marketers, but actually too many probably in business, have this obsession with the short-term pipeline. And it's at the expense of actually setting themselves up for long-term success through brand building. Do you think that is fair? Yeah, that's definitely fair. And it's kind of the reality that I'm living. And it has different roots. I would say, so I've been um, with, with the company now for almost six years. And over that time, we got better and better with our sales alignment. And we got better and better how we provide visibility into um, our, you know, pipeline mm. health. That's one thing that I introduced really, really early at the beginning, because when I joined, they only had quarterly business reviews. So once a quarter, they would look at um, the pipeline health and how the business was doing. Maybe they were up in arms because some of the market units weren't performing, but then it was kind of too late to do something about mm -hmm. it. And so I introduced so-called monthly health of business reviews yeah. where... Effectively, we changed it so that marketing was really accountable for pipeline, even though we're not responsible for the whole pipeline. Mm -hmm. There's different sources who contribute to pipeline, but we are the ones, I guess, um, highlighting the performance yeah. um, on a monthly basis. And it was very much driven by the chief revenue officer. He would make sure that he's always there. Mm -hmm. He gave it kind of that, you know, gravitas, ensuring all of his MDs would always attend once a month. And so we... Over the years and, and doing that for five years and keep reiterating and fine-tuning and improving mm. of how we how we talk about it, how do we analyze it, how are we then taking actions in order to mitigate that we do not yeah. have pipeline shortages, uh, got better and better. And we also, I would say, got more precise. So we have stopped the fact of bringing in 5x just for the sake of it because it makes us feel better. We are bringing in exactly the amount of pipeline that we know we need in order to close the business that mm -hmm. we need. So that was really positive development. Mm -hmm. We've gotten just really, really, um, uh, yeah, you know, finite on that, yeah. I want to say. But the other side to it is now when you are there and when you know exactly, you know, what, what does it take? Mm -hmm. um, you can analyze it down to the campaign level, um, wh what you need to be doing, we also, we, we have a certain agility that yeah. we achieve with that because we all the time looking at the performance, if something isn't yeah. performing, we're stopping it and we're trying something else. But you get then this extreme pipeline focus. It does sound quite extreme. It sounds like there's real sophistication and laser focus that you've got there. Exactly. And I'm going to break convention a little bit because usually we only have one provocative truth. But then I think almost as you were talking about, a second provocative truth sort of came to me, which is for many marketers, I would say that they don't have enough understanding of what the pipeline really looks like. There is almost that disconnection. Um, sounds like you don't have that problem. Could you just take me into the room of one of those monthly meetings that you referred to? Who plays what role, what information is exchanged and specifically, how are people held accountable for actions on the back of that? So the way you have to think of it is basically we I'm responsible for 21 countries that yeah. are split into 11 market units. Each of the market unit has a sales leader and a marketing leader, respectively. And so... The chief revenue officer is inviting for the call. Mm -hmm. um, all of the MDs, the, the um, sales leaders yeah. are joining, the marketing leaders of each um, MU market unit. Mm -hmm. And then the functional representatives, for instance, client sales or channel is, are also in the room, plus um, sales operations and marketing operations. Wow, okay. 
Um, and then what we effectively do, it's an hour, um, very short and snappy, very well prepared, but we look at a country by, or MU by MU level, yep. how much new pipeline did we bring in? Yep. Um, how healthy is that pipeline? And mm -hmm. we look at conversion rates, how long, um, is, is there anything stuck clearly mm. in, the, in the funnel? Um, we look at the different contributing teams that are, you know, providing pipelines. So for instance, our, um, we call them MDR, market development teams, yep. or telesales, um, or the channel team or the client sales team, because there is a portion of it, of course, from up and cross sell, some of, um, you know, tier increase when they, mm. when they just realize they need actually, you know, more seats, uh, for instance. Um, and, and so we, we analyze in detail kind of what's going well and what's not going well. Yeah. And then because it's monthly and because we always take actions and we, we give kind of an owner for um, kind of wh where we identify issues, mm. let's say, it has to be resolved until that next meeting. And yeah. with that, we have kind of created this rhythm of um, kind of making people accountable to fix it. Um, sometimes it's a it's a it's a level that sales can understand right what we did is we took out all of the marketing attribution model and all of that we look at that in a separate meeting just mm -hmm. with the marketing team so we can address kind of if we see low performance in a specific yep. market we of course look into okay what campaigns did they run what events did they have what um do we what what do they do in digital what do we need to adjust mm. so that's a separate you know um mm. follow-up from it on the sales side, we really just speak kind of the language of pipeline that the sales team understands because we did realize very quickly that when you talk about touches and attribution that they don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we always ensure that it gets fixed and we kind of, we look at three things. It's a performance related because we maybe have a downturn in the economy, yep, right? Yep. So we expect, is it people related? Is there not enough staff? Are we missing sales team mm -hmm. members or telesales team members or is there, mm. you know, um, people related issues or is it just process where something is broken in the system yeah. where our lead queues aren't working or the handovers aren't working. And so at the beginning of the next month, all of these kind of the actions you go through, what has happened, how mm. have we fixed it? And actions are, for example, also we don't have enough competitor data yeah. in the system and the sales team needs to refresh it or they didn't update Salesforce with the right data or, or whatever it might be, mm. right? Like there's also sometimes when it's process-related issues where we don't have the visibility that we need. Um, and you ensure by it being so senior and by being monthly, you ensure that no one comes unprepared and that these actions are actually taken until yeah. the next month. And with that, we really, yeah, we got into a rhythm of... Even during the pandemic, I mean, we're a travel and expense company, uh, we continued to grow. Um, and that was due to our scrutiny on pipeline and also knowing, of course, during the pandemic, we moved more to client sales mm. and focusing on our existing customers, but being able to be so closely aligned with sales, with their go-to-market and with kind of these details on, mm. um, on the pipeline performance and also not just looking, we don't just look at how much do we bring in, but the health of what is in the funnel, how is it progressing mm. and what can we do to really get it to the close at the end? I think that's the, the level of detail. Um, well, I mean, it, to be honest, I've, I feel like I'm in the room <laughs> from, from the description you've given. You've got an amazing amount of energy for, for this and it sounds frighteningly professional. I'm going to definitely make sure that people that have a slightly commercial part of uh, their role, uh, Alan, um, may listen to this particular podcast. Um, this might be a just a stupid question and tell me if, if it is. But having gone through that sort of experience and you've got that professionalism, you've got that data, 
you've got that real scrutiny of what's going on. What have you found has been a really, really valuable key performance indicator or, or metric that you have been able to use, which has given you either that visibility or been really helpful in terms of getting unsolving un, un problems or whatever it might be? Well, I think what has been really helpful is that we we aligned with the sales team on a joint KPI mm. that everyone understands that is meaningful for both mm -hmm. sides. And with that, to be able to then take actions, right? Yeah. Um, for us, when we when we look at the marketing side, we also look at uh, additional KPIs and that like pre-pipeline performance mm -hmm. and all of that. But when you come together in the room with kind of your sales counterparts mm. to be speaking the same language and with that kind of, we have achieved that ownership that also everyone feels like we all, pipeline is our lifeblood that keeps us yep. going. We all working towards it. It's not finger pointing. It's not anyone's mm -hmm. fault. It usually is quite complex, you know, that, that mm. um, kind of prevents good or low performance. And um, you can you can kind of mitigate a lot of performance issues by being kind of on top of it and also using kind of a lot of historical data. So, you know, my deal cycle length, my um, close rates, right? Yeah. So, you know how much you actually need and you don't waste the time of anyone's party so that marketing has to waste too much budget on creating mm. a too high volume of pipeline that no one has time to look at or that's low quality, and um, and also ensuring kind of that that you keep the sales team accountable because you can prove that they have enough if they then don't use it yeah. um, and not progressing it, um, then, you know, you can, I guess you can solve that in other yeah. ways and other team members can solve it. Excellent. Well, having been in <clears throat> the Allen Pipeline meeting yesterday, I feel woefully inadequate after listening to, <laughs> to everything you've just said there. So I'm, prob I'm probably going to rewatch it myself and uh, take some learnings. So we we've, we've focused actually um, the first half of this sort of conversation very, very much on the importance of pipeline, on the importance of making sure you've got that visibility putting in actions in place and we're getting that sort of deal velocity and, and all of that sort of stuff. Now, if we go back to the original provocative truth, mm -hmm. which is how do you get that balance? Because that preoccupation with the short-term pipeline, that can sometimes be expensive, actually, what you need to do to set yourself up for long-term success from a brand sort of perspective. Yeah, I must remember that if we are not this year investing in awareness, um, at least to a certain extent, that our competitors will use that vacuum. Mm. The advantage that we still have, we have a large customer base in a lot of our mm. markets. So especially during the pandemic or the recent years when, when travel went down a little bit, we were able to benefit a lot from that and kind of through up and cross-sell and selling additional solutions um, to benefit from our existing customer mm. base. But also you can only that, do that so long. You need to add new customers because... At the, there, you, there's a limit to it. You can yeah. you can foresee it. You can calculate it. Um, and this is this is really where we have had sessions with Forrester because they have done really interesting detailed analysis um, around comparing growth companies, high growth companies, with um, stagnant or declining companies, comparing effectively how much they invest in brand. Um, and where it was very, very clear, you know, high growth companies need to invest in, in brand building. And so we can see it also from our CMO. It is being driven. It is yeah. being addressed. Something to, to, to be aware of and to mitigate now. Yeah. Now we need to kind of, yeah. 
go back a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, there's and clearly you've just referred to sort of a Forrester report there, which is talking about high growth companies having that investment in brand. But also what is well publicized as well is during times of downturn or recession, you do get a lot of brands who switch into that short term activation. But then those brands that actually continue to invest in excess share of voice emerge from those downturns in a much, much stronger position because actually the money they're spending on that brand um, that brand building it goes that much further because the competitors aren't competing for the for that same share now with those two you know ideas which is high growth companies investing in, in brand and you know what i've just said there about sort of investing during a downturn how well do you think that that is conceptually understood by marketers and then the wider business i can speak for for my organization because um we don't like from a global level we invest in in branding it sits with global for mm. us they run their brand campaigns we only have a number of large markets where we also do annual brand research mm. where we analyze unaided and aided brand awareness i would argue from a sales perspective they have that short-term view and 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 as a marketer you need to understand there are these different perspectives right mm. that sales is looking more at the bottom of the funnel they more looking at the short term and this is what we should be balancing out um i mean i've, I've really enjoyed almost it's, it feels like it's been a very much a conversation of two halves we, we started off and i was absolutely wowed and almost overwhelmed by the, the depth that you went into with those pipeline meetings which sound absolutely fantastic uh, and then i think it's been a really nice contrast talking about that importance of brand building how we get people involved um but i can't let you leave until we ask our house question um which is when did you last see a piece of marketing um, or a piece of communication, an ad, a piece of creative that you felt in your guts that really moved you on a deep emotional level? Yeah, I thought about this for for um, quite a while. It's a very good question. And if I have to come up with something from the B2B world, that's harder. So I think my example is is more consumer focused and, and it's tough. And I don't know if you saw I think it's a year old now, but um, they were also awarded at Cannes mm -hmm. for that um, for the campaign that highlighted effect uh, that, that highlighted the the issues of all these filters on social media yeah. and that influencers are using, and where they kind of showed these teenagers and how they you know put more and more layers of mm. filters on mm. and couldn't even recognize themselves. And this really struck a chord with me, especially considering I have a almost nine year old who doesn't have a phone yet and I'm so scared mm. of that time when when that starts and when you read kind of statistics of I think um under 11 year olds I don't know the exact percentages but a large percentage are happy with how they look and the moment they get phones it kind of drops to to a really 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 low number mm. where where you know young teenagers and kids just get such a wrong picture mm. and get kind of self-conscious and I think if I think back to my time, of course, when you're a teenager, you also, you do look at yourself and you don't like a lot of things. And mm. I mean, the the um, previous Duff campaign um, where Duff sketches, I don't know if you remember yeah. that one, is also about that, that females are tending, tending to be um, quite self-critical. But now the opposite kind of with um, teenagers even forgetting how, how, how they look and kind of to create awareness for that, I, I find that super fascinating and I love how Dove is always kind of standing out and being really bold and mm. bringing up those 
um, those topics. Yeah. Yeah. I think interestingly that 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 example has been has come up once before on the podcast series. Okay. Um, which I'm not saying in terms of, oh, come up with something new, Madeline. Far, far um, the opposite, actually. Interestingly, the, the, the rationale for why it touched him was very, very similar in terms of relating it to his, his daughter. And I think that that's really a demonstration of how effective that campaign is from Dove. Because on the face of it, you might say they are a predominantly female-focused brand and therefore that communication would be most resonant with females. However, as has been demonstrated, albeit by a very small sample size, that it does have that that stretch, and but it understands a universal human truth potentially amongst parents, uh, which it really, really talks to. So I think, thank you for sharing it, because I think it's, it's interesting about how effective that is. Um, so look, firstly, thank you very, very much for, for coming on. I've kind of already thanked you and sort of explained my admiration for the pipeline side side of things. Um, but l- listening to you, you talk about that, I think that it's le- left a couple of things with me in terms of what is important. Clearly, just that the discipline that you have and making sure that you've got actions, you know, makes such a huge difference in terms of making that progress. But I also think, and this is my my conclusion, so maybe maybe I'm wrong, but because you have developed the infrastructure and the process for how you approach pipeline, um, it kind of can run itself because you've created that system and that machine. And I think it's because that you have done that that it frees up almost that sort of headspace to also realise that you need to focus on brand. Whereas my suspicion is that for a lot of marketing organisations, without those same systems in place, it requires that full investment of emotional and mental time to deal with that short-term sort of like pressure which you have to deal with. And that means that it is at the expense of brand. So I think potentially the lesson here is invest in getting your systems um, working successfully. And that means that you can achieve the sort of balance that you need to. So thank you very, very much, Madeline. That was thoroughly enjoyable. And thank you for tuning in. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.